Thank you for tuning in to the weekly sermon from Journey of Hope. We are a welcoming community that fosters belonging and acceptance. Through ministries, we enable individuals to transform their lives as they learn to follow Jesus Christ. We follow the guidance of the Spirit in sharing our faith through missional adventures, building relationships, and offering our witness to our community and world. We are one church with multiple campuses in the Elgin and Bartlett communities. To learn more about us, you can check us out at johumc.org, our church app, or any of our social media platforms by searching Journey of Hope. And now, may you be blessed by this week's message. This reading is 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. May God bless the reading and hearing and understanding of his word. Amen. So Thomas doubted. Moses doubted. David doubted. Zechariah doubted. Peter doubted. So many found in Scripture have doubted at some point in their lives. And throughout history, I dare say that all have doubted at some point in their lives. Doubt is not the enemy of faith. In more times than not, doubt leads to a deeper faith. Now, maybe you've grown up thinking that you cannot question God Or the things in your life. You feel like you must blindly follow along. Never questioning. And if you found yourself in a situation where you did doubt. You just kept it to yourself. You thought people around you might judge you. For asking questions. They might challenge your faith in God. So let me tell you today. That it is okay to ask questions. It is okay to doubt at times. This is how you continue to grow in your faith. Now, last week I also uh, invited uh, those in the Elgin campus, and I think Jason might have done the same thing here. There's a certain Sunday that happens after Easter every year uh, within Journey of Hope, and we've been doing this thing called Ask a Pastor Sunday. And so if you've ever had a question that you wanted to ask a pastor, but maybe didn't want the pastor to know that it was you asking the question, Uh, This is your chance. Uh, This week was a little rough, so I wasn't able to get the slips of paper ready. 
But next week, we will have the slips of paper ready for you so that if you have a question, you can write it down. You can put it in the offering plate. No one will know that it was you unless, of course, your handwriting is just that right way that everybody will know that it's you. But what we do is every Sunday, or every Easter, right after Easter Sunday, we have a Sunday called Ask a Pastor. And that is where both Jason and I will, will get up in front of you and answer as many questions as we possibly can. Uh, questions about theology, question, uh, personal questions. I've had some really interesting personal questions. Uh, questions about journey of hope. Uh, and so that's an opportunity to ask those questions. And throughout the series, talking about doubts and questioning, now is the time to write those questions down. Uh, if you have some and you don't want to forget them, uh, I believe that, uh, that there will be a link on the website as well as through the weekly e-news uh, that you can click on and you can actually submit a question online. You can also just call me, text me, any questions you may have. You may want to just write down a piece of, on a piece of paper back at the navigation center. Write down that question that you have so that we can try to answer those on that particular Sunday. So because during this season of doubt, I encourage you to face your doubts and your questions. Truly search for God in the midst of them. Because I believe that if you do, you will find a deeper faith. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, God, we come striving to hear your word and to hear you speak to us. And so, God, I ask that, that you would make your presence known to us, that you would speak to us, and that the words that I speak would no longer be my own, but that they would be your words and your message for your people. In Jesus' name, amen. So this week's focus uh, might be the most difficult out of this entire series the most challenging. And so I'm going to pray that, that you will engage with me with an open mind, with an open heart, and, and after we're done, if you still have questions, reach out to me. Reach out to me, reach out to Jason, uh, and ask those questions uh, that you might be struggling with. Because if, if I ask you to be honest and tell me if you have ever had questions or doubts about this book, would you say that you have never questioned it? Could you honestly say, hey, I have never questioned anything in this book? Or would you honestly say that there are passages that you wonder how they might have even made it in to holy scriptures? Because Deuteronomy 20 verse 16 says, but in the cities of those peop these peoples that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance, you shall save alive nothing that breathes, men, women, children, animals, nothing that breathes remains alive. Psalm 137 verse 9 says this, blessed shall, shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. 1 Timothy 2 verse 12 tells us, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. <laughs> I knew that one would get you. <laughs> but you see, these are among many others that make it difficult to reconcile a God of love and acceptance with words written so very long ago. And so with many questions on our heads, let's faithfully struggle with this wonderful and awe-inspiring book, which grounds our faith. Quick history. 
our Bible did not always look like what we have today. What we have, uh, what we as United Methodists hold is a, is a compilation of 66 books assembled initially by the Catholic Church through the Council of Rome in A.D. 382. Of course, when they first assembled it, it was 73 books, 46 Old Testament, and 27 New Testament. Martin Luther, however, when he split from the Roman Catholic Church, moved seven books out of the Old Testament into the Apocrypha, stating that they didn't quite rise to the level of authoritative scripture, but yet they were still useful for reading and studying. Then in 1563, the Church of England instituted 39 articles which solidified what we currently see as the Protestant Church as the 66-book Bible, 39 Old Testament books, 27 new. Now, I know that I am leaving out a ton of history within the, uh, the assembling of the biblical canon, but just know that coming to what we currently have as our Bible has not been easy. There have been incredible disagreements. There have been arguments. There has even been bloodshed over what should or should not be included in this book. All of this is to say that we, that there was definitely human involvement in the writing and assembling of what we call our Bible. The writers were inspired by God, but they still wrote words from their cultural experience, writing, writing that reflects the, the culture of the ancient Near East and the Jewish culture. The writers were flawed human beings just as all of us are. However, God is able to use them in expressing the nature of God, which is found throughout all the words that we read, all the words that were wrote down. However, one of the main questions that continue to this day about, about what is found between these pages is this. Are the words found within infallible or inerrant or something else altogether? Now, you might kind of wonder, what exactly do you mean by inerrant, infallible? Uh, and so let me, let me explain. To call Scripture inerrant means that there are no errors found within Scripture. Everything is correct, just as it is. Infallible suggests that the words can never fail. They can never be mistaken. They can never be wrong. Now, these two descriptions have been used for many years, especially in, in the fight of, of Paul's words, in light of Paul's words in which we hear today. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful in teaching and correcting. But if this is so, if this is so, how do we reconcile the violence, the slavery, the treatment of women, and, and some contradictions found in the synoptic gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke? Now, if I'm completely honest with you, I have struggled with this. I have struggled in some of my reading. I, I attended a, uh, a free Methodist college for my undergrad, and, and in some of the small groups and the classes I, I attended, I heard about a more, a more fundamentalist approach to Scripture, about how everything found within the pages was accurate, absolutely true, inerrant, and infallible. But when I read about all the killing 
killing of all the women, children, and animals, I began to question, how could this be so? It didn't didn't fit with my vision of who God is. I read stories depicting slavery and how masters should treat their slaves as, as well as how slaves should obey their masters, and I thought, there's no way that this is acceptable today. How do I reconcile this? How can I accept the words written in Scripture to no longer be true today? I heard the writings of Paul as they told me that women should not be able to preach or teach, especially having authority over men, and I found it impossible to understand when I realized that the first sermon was given by Mary when she returned to the disciples and proclaimed that Jesus was no longer dead. And I also found it difficult to hear people condemning things in life while ignoring other commands that are given in Scripture. How can we pick and choose from the passages which passages we will follow and then hold fast to an inerrant view of Scripture? Either it is all without error or it's not. What is it? But then I heard someone discuss the scripture passage that we heard today. You see, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's writing this letter to encourage Timothy in his ministry. And he's telling him that all scripture is God-breathed or inspired. It is all useful in teaching and encouraging and correcting. But what scripture is he actually talking about? You see, this letter was written to Timothy In A.D. 66 to 67, somewhere in there. This would have been shortly after the first gospel accounts were written down because those were 55 to 65 A.D. It would make sense that, that what Paul is referring to here is the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, much of what we call the Old Testament. I can't imagine that he would have thought his letters would become part of what we consider today as scripture. However, I do believe that regardless of original intent, it is still true that all of scripture is God-breathed. This means that God brings all scripture to life and continues to speak through it. You might be wondering, how do I reconcile commands of violence found in the Bible? Well, if we go back to the culture of the day, the people would have understood the idea of of a God commanding slaughter of an enemy as a norm for the society in the ancient Near East. This is the world they lived in. It was the time and place that they lived. It, It was not really a strange thought. We see it much differently. Therefore, Maybe these passages reflect more of what the people believed in their culture than the true nature of the heart of God. We could also say the same about passages that that speak to slavery and about women, about mental health, and about the LGBTQ plus community. That maybe they reflect something a little different. And then we have these contradictions. Some in the gospel accounts. Who actually made it to the tomb first? In Mark, we find it's Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome. 
Matthew tells us that it was Mary Magdalene and the, the other Mary. Luke just says the women were there with him. In Matthew's account, there's only one angel. And the angel descended outside the tomb. But Luke has two angels, two messengers, and they were inside the tomb. If scripture is without error, how do we explain this? How do we reconcile this? I've described this before too. When Jesus gives the the famous Sermon on the Mount, he begins with the Beatitudes. Blessed are those. But you see, according to Matthew and Luke, they're a little bit different. Matthew has Jesus sharing these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Luke's version is, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. You hear the difference. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Two different interpretations of the words of Jesus, both meaningful in their own way, but why the difference? Well, Matthew was writing to a group of people who had money and did not know poverty as well as those who Luke was writing. Context is everything. We need to take all of this into consideration. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we should wrestle with a glaring question. Does looking at Scripture this way, wrestling with its contradictions and difficult passages, shake your faith in any way? Does wrestling with Scripture shake your faith in any way? Does it undermine your beliefs about who God is and what Jesus has done for you? Because here's what I know. God is still speaking. God is still speaking. God is still speaking through these holy scriptures. While we wrestle with questions about the words given, God offers a message of grace, hope, and love. We need to read scripture as a whole, not proof texting and taking one verse out and using it to make a point. This means that we need to be careful and faithful about our reading of scripture. We need to allow for God's spirit to to guide us to guide us in our reading and our interpreting. And most of all, we need to read Scripture through the lens of the only infallible Word of God, and that is Jesus Christ. Because we remember from the beginning of the Gospel of John, the Word became flesh. What is the Word of God? While we might all say this is the Word of God, and it, and it is in a certain way, the true infallible, inerrant word of God is Jesus Christ. That is our word. That is the inerrant word of God. And so while we might struggle with what's written down, we know that God is still speaking through it. There's a lot of times where I look at a a particular type of reading of scripture within a small group. I call it, it's called Lectio Divina. Uh, and it's an opportunity to read through the uh, scripture passages like three or four different times and hear words and hear commands that God has given, hear nudges that God has given throughout a particular passage. And when you do that in a small group, you realize that 
that everybody has almost a different word as they go around a circle and share, which tells me that God is still speaking through these passages. There's a passage that you may read every single year at a given time, and it means something different to you each year you read it because God is still speaking through these scriptures. God is giving you a message that you need to hear And you're in a different place this year than you were last year and the year before that. And so a passage will speak to you one way in one particular day, but maybe the next day it's going to speak to you differently. So wrestle with it. Wrestle with it because it's a difficult book to read, but it contains the words of life for each and every one of us. Will you pray with me? Gracious and almighty God, I thank you for speaking to us through your scriptures. I thank you for offering the words of life found within these pages. And God, continue to speak to us. Continue to speak to us, especially as we approach this table, as we come and we celebrate this sacrament. May your presence truly be with us. In Jesus' name. Amen.